We are digital nomads. We work anywhere. We're not limited by location. We're not limited by self-belief. We are works in progress. I'm Beck Power, and this is the Nomad Me Podcast. Today's guest is not a nomad, but I thought I'd better interview her anyways since she travels more than most nomads do. Jen Ruiz is a lawyer who travels every spare minute she gets, like literally, and she has some awesome advice on finding the cheapest flight deals out of the USA. Let's do this. All right, Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Beck. Thank you for having me. It's really good to have you on here. I'm excited to talk to you because you are not a digital nomad. Is that right? That is correct. I'm actually a lawyer full time. (laughs) (laughs) So um, for those of you who are listening to this, Jen is a lawyer. She's not a nomad, but I really want to talk to her because she um, has a lot of experience traveling with a full time job. And that's um, something that our listeners, uh, a lot of them have gone nomadic, but a lot of people are also thinking about going nomadic and currently have a job. So this transition is something that you know a lot about. Definitely. Um, so why don't you talk about a little bit more about being a lawyer and how that works right now and what you recently did in, uh, within 12 months? Yes. So I'm a lawyer at a nonprofit organization. I started there about two years ago. I made a switch from a private firm because I knew that I wanted a job that offered uh, compensation in terms of lifestyle rather than salary. Uh, For me, it was more important to have another part of my day, something that I could do with myself rather than just go to work and be there and and have work consume me until midnight and wake up and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm going to be doing that, I I want it to be for me and building my brand, not necessarily for another organization. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really wanted to make a conscious choice to move to a place where I had that flexibility. And once I did, I decided to take advantage of it. Um, One of the best things was getting all of the bank holidays Um, which are a lot of them, Uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Black Friday even. So I got a lot of holidays, gratuitous holidays, kind of bonus days. Um, One year I got the day in between 4th of July and that Sunday because it was a Monday. So I was able to expand that into a six-day trip. Um, So that was one of the ways that I was able to really take my schedule and make it work for me Um, to prioritize travel and introduce me into something that I knew I wanted to pursue further and dip your toes into that water, so to speak. So I think for a lot of people looking to make the transition, um, they should just know that it is possible and they don't have to go as crazy as I did. Um, I actually ended up taking 20 trips in 12 months this past year. Uh, It was in anticipation of my 30th birthday. Uh, It's a big decade change. I think when you're turning 20, it's not anywhere near as traumatic. If anything, you're excited for 20, but 30, you, you really start to assess and think, what have I accomplished so far? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it, it felt important to go out and see the world and have that personal feat of knowing that I took advantage of this time where I was on my own and you know I didn't have any pets or uh, other obligations that I had to be here for. And I could take that time and, and just kind of abscond and go and travel the world. And it's been amazing. That's awesome. I'm sure a lot of people are, are asking about how you got that much time off of work to go and do that. Um, and secondly, uh, how you can afford to do that. So firstly, if you wouldn't mind, you, you mentioned it a little bit before using those bank holidays and stuff. How, how else did you get time to do that? Because there's not that many bank holidays, are there? 
Uh, not that many. So I would often take weekend trips, long weekend trips, things of the sort. Um, I'd be taking a lot of red eye flights where I would go right from work to the airport and then wake up from the flight at my destination and kind of power through the day. Um, so I use also kind of the excuse of thinking, well, I'm young. So now's the time where I have that energy to be able to go and do that and push through and be cramped in these economy seats, feeling like kind of um, paper origami, human origami is always how I describe myself when I'm in these back seats blended there for 10 hours. Um, so I think if you're going to do that, now's the time. And you get energize when you arrive at these new destinations and you think, okay, well, I'm here. I only have 48 hours. There's really a lot I want to see. So even if you're a little jet lagged, even if you're a little tired, you can push through because you're so excited to be somewhere new. Um, so it can really be exhausting, but at the same time, rejuvenating. Cool. Yeah. It does sound like a little bit of a whirlwind, a lot of whirlwind trips. <laughs> Um, yes. So for, for the second part of that question, how were you able to afford to do that many trips? Uh, so, so I thought to myself, Beck, I thought people learn how to afford all kinds of things, right? Like there are extreme couponers that sit here for hours and figure out how to get, I mean, massive cartons of deodorant for like five cents. I feel like if I put that same energy into flying and traveling, that I could really plan out something that works out well for me. I knew that going through tours or organized activities wasn't my gig um, for several reasons. I wanted to personalize my experience and I wanted to be able to make sure I was getting the best deal. I kind of prided myself in knowing like, oh my goodness, I just got this awesome flight. I, I learned how to redeem these points and I uh, actually was able to do this. So some of my best deals were done with award redemptions through different credit card um, miles and bonus sign-up incentives, um, like a $16 flight to Ecuador, and I'm actually going to New Zealand, and I got that flight for $38. Bangkok to Miami, I got for $80. I ended up booking that one in Thai bot, so that the conversion was $80 US dollars, mm -hmm. um, which is another secret in booking, and that don't be afraid to look for foreign currency. If you have a card that doesn't charge foreign transaction fees, um, you can actually save a lot of money if you do that because they'll charge less to people that they think are buying locally. So they'll charge less to their citizens than they would to tourists. They get maybe less of a tax, things like that. That's why they encourage searching for flights in private browser mode. There's all kinds of different um, methods that people try to use to outsmart the system. Um, but in general, I, I think I just found ways to use all of those to my advantage, depending on the circumstance, and, and find a way to get around for cheap. Wow, super cool. How, what are some countries that you've been to then doing these short trips? I started in Greece and that was phenomenal. I spent my 29th birthday at the Parthenon. Wow. Um, it was great. I feel it was the, it was in the middle of winter, January. So you wouldn't expect it to be nice weather, but I feel like that day kind of just cleared up. It was gorgeous. Um, and I actually went back to Greece because I made friends the first time around. So I went back in June for, or May, end of May, beginning of June to Santorini and a small island called Antiparos, um, where Tom Hanks and Madonna actually have a house. Um, very random, uh, but it was wonderful. I've also been to Italy, uh, Canada, Ecuador, Argentina, uh, Iceland, uh, Mexico. I went there to swim with whale sharks, and unfortunately, my tour got canceled because of a, a storm. 
but I ended up diving the underwater museum instead on a boat that was chartered out just for me at the last minute so that I wouldn't waste my day um, by some really kind shop owners that even turned off their soccer match to let me watch the instructional video for scuba diving, which, you know, that's a sacrifice. Um, when, when there's a group, like they're there on a Sunday to watch soccer and they let you turn off the only TV to watch like the Patty instructional video. Like that's really, that's, that's giving in a sense that I can't explain fully with words. Um, so um, those are some of the places I've been and they've been really memorable. And I ended the, the year in Thailand and Cambodia. Wow, really, really cool. And that's those are further destinations than I thought. I was like, oh, maybe you can go like, you know, you're in, you're near Miami. You could go like to loads of places in the Caribbean and like, you know, maybe Central America. But you've been around the around the, the world, really. That's a lot of countries. Thank you, thank you. I take that as a compliment. Yeah. Um, so you see, you mentioned airpoints. Airpoints is something that I don't usually talk about because. I'm not an American and frankly, I'm bitter about it because I want air points and it's really difficult if you're not an American to <laughs> like, think about that. It's just, our deals are not nowhere near as good as yours. How do you recommend for Americans and maybe for non-Americans if you know anything, how do you recommend that people get started using air points? So I think one of the best ways for Americans definitely is to take advantage of the bonus sign-up incentives because most, most credit cards will offer you the ability to get tens of thousands of miles if you spend a minimum threshold within the first couple of months. Um, and that's usually enough to get you a flight to anywhere. So I use those points as gold and I don't redeem those on anything but the most expensive flights. Um, so I would only use those for somewhere, let's say like New Zealand or Kenya or Japan. Um, I would only use those for really expensive places. I wouldn't use those for London or New York or somewhere that usually has good deals. Um, it's not necessary to have a credit card to accrue points. It's just a lot faster to do it that way because you can get point multipliers with the credit card. So for instance, if let's say you're shopping on amazon.com, but you shop through a credit card that's a partner of Amazon, then you can get three times the points for whatever you spend on Amazon. So you spend 30 bucks and you just make 90 airline points for something that you were going to do either way. So that's one way to accrue them with the multiplier, but it's not necessary. And it's not the only way um, you can, of course, get them with flying. You can get them with flying partner airlines. So I know Delta's partners with, um, I believe Korean air. So they, their points can overlap with each other. Um, so you can make sure that even if you're not flying with a airline that you have a frequent flyer program with, they might be partner airlines with one that you do. So you don't ever want to let those go to waste. Um, they also have other little things that if you have a lot of time, I mean, um, and, and just like have the ability to multitask easily. Um, when I first started, I got like 400 uh, bonus points and miles for taking surveys online um, that I would do when I would watch Netflix, you know, just kind of absentmindedly filling out questions about your demographic and things like that. And most of them will offer you like 10 points anyway, if the survey doesn't fit you. So if you think about it, if you're just taking surveys all day, you just made like a thousand points depending on how much time you have. So there's ways to do it. It's just, like I said, much faster with a card because of that exponential multiplier. Mm, really interesting. Um, well, when you do eventually go nomadic, which may or may not happen soonish, then um, what is your intention for making money? Because being a lawyer overseas may be a bit of a stretch. 
uh, what's your plan? Uh, definitely. I agree. I think it's a really tough with regards to licensing and every country has their own different practice of law. I actually interned in Australia and my mind was blown with the difference between solicitors and barristers and just the way that they practice overall. So I think it would be very challenging for me to translate that internationally. Um, if I were to do that, I think teaching would be a good fallback. I like having the steady income from teaching online, knowing that I have that ability to make more money if I need to. But ideally, I'd like to um, become an author and make more money off of my books and my storytelling um, appearances in the same way that female travel writers like Cheryl Strait or Elizabeth Gilbert have done. Um, I think that it's unfortunate that in the travel writing sphere, it's, it's mainly male dominated. You don't see a lot of travel reporters. And I don't know if that's maybe because of an older generation where women didn't have the luxury to really um, be all around the world because they needed to be at home taking care of responsibilities. And now we do, we have that ability, that freedom to really pursue our dreams in the same way. So I'd love to be part of a new generation of female travel writers that makes a name for themselves. And I, I have a lot of role models in that area. And, I, and I'd love to join them one day. That, that's my dream. That's amazing. I'm sure you'll get there. That's really cool. Um, are you, you ready? Yeah. Are you ready for the quick fire round? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. Um, <clears throat> just answer the first thing that, uh, <laughs> that you think of. What is your favorite country so far? France. Ooh, good one. How many countries have you been to so far? 22. Ooh. Fa your favorite book that you've read recently, if you're a, you are a reader? You said the first thing that popped into my mind, so it, the answer popped up before you even said recently, and I just said Harry Potter because I'm so much of a nerd. <laughs> it's my fallback favorite book. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's yeah, definitely not recently. That's awesome. <laughs> that's like tells us a lot about you. That's good. <laughs> um, what's the, top, the next country that uh, – well, not the next country you're planning to go to, but like you're the top of your bucket list. Turkey. Mm. Okay. When you travel, do you, is there a souvenir that you buy in every country or what's your souvenir thing? Yes. Magnets and keychains. <laughs> you're the person that bought the magnets. <laughs> I'm like, who's buying this crap? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> because you, first, your fridge will look so colorful uh -huh. with a magnet from every country. Yeah. They're very affordable. You can get them in different styles, um, and they're easy to transport, so they won't take up space in your carry-on. Mm -hmm. And then the keychain, because I always lose my keychain. Sometimes some of them break, and it's easy to find that way. Sorry, yeah. I know this was way longer for a quick fire answer. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> great. You know, you're, you've really checked everything off of the list of um, <laughs> amazing. What is your advice to people who have a full-time job and are like, oh, I can't travel because I have all these responsibilities? Start slow. Uh, you don't have to necessarily go around the world right in the beginning. So start by exploring your own state, your own town, your own area. Uh, in Florida here, I was able to explore different places like Miami, Orlando, um, there's lots of different Key West, you know, there's places and everywhere that you live, there's somewhere near you that you can explore and look at with new eyes as a tourist to give you that sense of relaxation and that break without having to necessarily spend money on accommodations or lodging or transportation. So start there. Um, from there, I would start then kind of expanding a little bit more towards your, your country. So start going towards 
other cities. Um, local trips, look for budget airlines. Budget airlines have a ton of fair um, sales that will take you to a nearby city for maybe under $50 uh, because they just have open seats and they have last minute want to get away sales. Take advantage of that. Why not? You know, spend two days and go to a new city because it's a good deal and because you haven't been there before. Maybe it wasn't on your list, but it could surprise you. Um, and then from there, just um, know that you can always negotiate for more time. So maybe you, your boss doesn't have the means to give you a raise, but you can ask for, you know, more time off instead of a raise, because if you know that that would be a win-win for both you and the company, they don't have to spend more money. You get, you feel like you've kind of made progress, gotten greater benefits, and you get that lifestyle that you're looking for. So there's always room for negotiation, even if you didn't guarantee yourself those days in the initial package uh, upon hiring and those negotiations. Wow. Really good advice. Um, for people who are interested in connecting with you, where can they do so online? Uh, you can find me on my blog. I write at jenonajetplane.com. It is a solo female travel blog. So I have everything from destinations to travel tips, some information about teaching online if you're interested. Uh, and then I, my book, it's called The Affordable Flight Guide. And in it, I talk about all my cheap flight secrets, some booking strategies like booking in a foreign currency and the websites that you can search for. Um, that's available on Amazon. And you just type in Affordable Flight Guide and my name, Jen Ruiz, and it should come up. Awesome. Jen, it's been really great having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Beth. Thanks for tuning in today. If you love Nomad Me, make sure to leave your good review on iTunes. Every week, I select a reviewer to win a lifetime Nomad Fly membership for free. All the show notes can be found at digitalnomad.me. See you tomorrow.